What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, as always. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, as always. This really means the world to me, so thank you for that. Uh, today, we welcome along another very special guest, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show Miss Danny Arlington. And Danny, let's take a moment to introduce her and the work that she's done. She trained at Mount View and at the HB Studio in New York City. She has credits on TV such as Doctors and The Dumping Ground for the BBC, uh, music video, If My Heart Aches by Kuru. Music video can be found on YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, for film, she has appeared on How Not to Disappear Completely and The Silent Accomplice and Soul Boy. And you might also have seen her on television in a commercial as a mum in a Morrison's Christmas ad back in 2016. Um, for stage, not only is she an actress, but she's also passionate about directing as well. She has uh, been the assist assistant director on uh, Darling at the Hope Theatre, which won a Standing Ovation Award, The Fulstow Boys by Gordon Steele, and The Speaker with, with the Live Theatre Company in Newcastle. And as an actress, she has appeared in Tiny Beautiful Things, directed by Harry Burton, who's been on the show, and as most notably recently in the theatrical event of 2022, which was the understudy to a certain Miss Jodie Comer in Primer, Facey at the in the West End at the Harold Pinter Theatre and on Broadway at the Golden Theatre. So Danny was waiting in the wings to see if Jodie fancied an off night to carry on the role as Tessa, the lawyer who defends people in sex sexual assault cases and ultimately has a rather unfortunate experience which helps to apply her law and her knowledge to help bring a certain subject to justice. But anyway, enough from me. Danny, hello. Hi. How are you doing? You all right? I'm really good. Yes. Oh, good. No, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you for being here today. It means the world for me that you've taken the time to chat. Uh, so welcome, Danny. Thanks for coming on today. So we start with the starter question for every guest, which is where did it all start for you? The love of acting? Where did it come from? Um, I think, weirdly, I kind of fell into it. I went through school not really knowing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um didn't really act that much although I remember telling a lot of my teachers that that's what I wanted to do and you know would autograph things for them to be like save that for when I'm famous <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I left school and one of my best friends um, was doing a performing arts course and I didn't know what I wanted to do so I just kind of tagged along with her really <laughs> I was like okay that sounds fun I'll come um, and then while we were there um Gordon Steele, who's a writer-director from Teesside, came in to our college to direct one of our performances. And he um, he also was writing professionally for Hull Truck Theatre at the time. Um, and he asked me if um, I'd like to audition for one of the roles for Hull Truck for this huge kind of like UK tour of his new play. Um, but he made it very clear that, you know, this was purely for just the experience I wouldn't be getting the job um it was just kind of the experience of auditioning yeah um, so then I auditioned and yeah then it, I ended up they 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 gave it to me <laughs> luckily and then so that was my first I kind of learned on the job because there was I think there was five of us in the cast um a lot of the actors were much older than me I was 18 at the time so I kind of learnt from them really and yeah just like went touring around the whole of the UK and then just completely fell in love with acting and theatre and yeah. Yeah amazing so I know you mentioned in the introductions you trained at Mount View but you said something about learning on the job there what was 
what would you say was the biggest lessons you learned on that tour when you went around the country? I think just you, it's really difficult, I think, in theatre to, um, especially when you're doing a long run of something, to kind of keep it alive. And and that's a challenge in itself. You know, you're not just kind of going through the motions every night. Mm. Um, and I obviously hadn't been in a long running production, so I just had no experience of that. But And then I think just talking to the other actors and like hearing their stories and you kind of just get immersed into that world. And, you know, I'd I'd never kind of spent that much time with actors. Like acting wasn't really a thing where I came from. I didn't know any actors. I wasn't really, you know, that was like a whole new world to me. So, yeah, like I think, yeah, you just learn from the other other actors and, and how they would tackle, you know, certain noughts or, you know, it was just kind of observing and absorbing all of their knowledge, basically. Mm. So tell me about your training at Mountview, because you trained in London and in New York. What was the uh, what was the journey like across your training? Yeah, really good. I mean, um, I I was lucky enough to get a few jobs and then I kind of got to 26 and I thought I always wanted to go to drama school. And I thought if I don't do it now, mm. I'm never going to do it. So I applied. um got into Mount View, lucky enough to get a Dada because I didn't have £30,000 in my back pocket. Um, So that was very lucky. Um, And apparently now this is a very bad thing. Apparently the Dadas, you can only get them if you're under 25. Dada, what is that? It's a dance and drama award, which pays oh. your fees, basically. Oh, right, right, right. So it's like a scholarship in a way or something. Yeah, so it's a, it's a scholarship. But yeah, annoyingly... If I was to apply now and I was 26, I don't think I would actually be able to go to drama school, which is very sad. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, had a great time at Mount View. We were um, in Wood Green, so it was kind of before it moved to Peckham. They're in a new, beautiful building now in Peckham. Beautiful, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved it. We had a great time. And then um, really randomly, uh, my partner after that was moving to New York to help set up an office there and so while I was there I just thought what can I do to kind of help my training along and went and auditioned at the HB studio and did some screen acting a screen acting course there which was incredible like really different from kind of UK training so it was like good to have both 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 angles really (laughs) Yeah, because I went to drama school last year and um, I think one of the biggest challenges for me was learning how to do it for screen because I know we got, we're going to talk a lot about theatre today and like they always teach you to, like, to reach the back of the house or the top of the house and everything. Yeah. Screen, you've got to like, re- like bring it all the way back and we get really, yeah. really small while still feeling everything in here and here and in your whole body. So what was uh, your experience it, of learning that? It's just, it is such a different... Um, I just think there's there's more differences than people actually tell you at drama school, you know, like, um, and I think it, it, for me, working in TV, it's having that confidence to kind of a- ask the director, like, what, what shot it is. And do you know what I mean? All of those things, because when you're not, when you haven't worked in that environment, it just seems terrifying and you don't know what you're going to look like and you don't know if you're being too big or too small or, you know, it can be quite daunting. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to do that in America, especially because I feel like a lot of the actors who were on that course in America 
hadn't even been to the theater which i thought was wild that they were you know wanting to be actors but i guess it's just they knew that that's the medium they wanted to work in and they wanted to work in film and tv and that's what they focused on but um yeah it was really really helpful to just be constantly doing scenes watching them back and you know being able to like see yourself mm. i just think you don't get that at drama school you do get a little bit of tv training but it's not as intense mm. so yeah it was really helpful yeah that's definitely something you learn on the job isn't it yeah um, yeah because you learn how to just you notice when to pull things back and when to like drop certain lines at, at a certain point whilst keeping up yeah. the, the biggest challenge for me was like i kept the, the reaction well the natural reaction was to keep like wanting to give more, like like wise in the eyes or do this or like, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. I'll be like, I'm being, I'm Listen really emoting now. And, and they're like, no, 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 no. Okay, bring it down, bring it down. <laughs> yeah. If, and I'm going, well, I'm not acting now. I'm not moving any muscles in my face. What am I supposed to be doing? And it's like- Yeah, it feels so strange, especially when you've just yeah. been doing like a huge theater production and you just think, oh. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not emoting anything. I need to do something. But it's bad yeah. you are, you know, I think, I think the beauty of, screen is that you know when you trust the words a lot more and yeah. really get that across and then somehow you can be I think I think it helps if you've got good writing of course 100% yeah because I, I don't know have you had any experiences where you've done something where you've been given the script and you're going what the fuck how do, how do, I, how do I get this I mean definitely you know for some auditions right yeah. done um like when you need to do like self-tips and stuff you're just like oh this feels really weird um, <laughs> but not in any actual jobs I would say mm. but still I mean to be honest I still feel like I'm on a massive learning curve with you know TV and screen because I just I haven't done I've done so much theatre even though in my head I feel like I'm a TV actor because I yeah. feel like I'm still quite small for like you know I don't feel like I'm like I don't know um but yeah, I still feel like I'm I'm on that learning journey. Mm. But doing more and more, you know, self tips and and classes and stuff, you just get yeah, you it's 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 a technique basically, isn't it? Yeah, I think over the last couple of years, I think this self tape uh, revolution has just exploded. Obviously, since the, like the lockdowns and stuff, yeah, uh, you know, and you, I think as scary as it is watching yourself back, you're like, okay, like this is what I do. Yep. You're like, oh, is that how I talk? Is that how I, oh my God. Okay, right, just, just, just <laughs> yeah. get on with it, get on with it, come on. You know, just learning just to iron out. There's no time for like this imposter syndrome or anything. You just yeah. gotta get on with it and do it, right? Yeah, especially when you're on just like tight deadlines. You're like, okay, let's just get the job done. This has to be back in a couple of hours. Yeah, not two hours. What? No, no not two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get it to you now, okay. Because yeah. um, let's we're going to jump into uh, Prima Facie in just a second, but uh, tell me about your experience as a mum in the Morrison's Christmas ad. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, yeah, oh, I loved that job. Um, I, I, I got given the most beautiful little kid as my, like who was playing the kid and I was his mum. Yeah. Um, he was just hilarious. So we laughed like the whole time, but yeah, it was really nice. I've never done a, uh, you know, I think that was the first kind of like big commercial that I'd done. Um, and yeah, I had to carry this giant, giant heavy turkey to the table <laughs> about 20 times my arms were I think I got some muscles that day 
um but yeah it was really good it was really nice and yeah. you know it it was such a lovely ad as well that you know i love christmas ads that's what you know that's how you know it's christmas isn't it exactly you see the coke advert and you know it's christmas yeah yeah, yeah. john lewis one they always do a good one don't they they do yeah i mean what was um because you must have did you shoot that like must have been earlier in the year like was it like September. I think it was September, yeah. Yeah. So what what was it like being at home that Christmas when your face just popped up every every now and then on on TV? I know it was crazy. My husband was just like, "Why are you always there?" <laughs> um yeah, it was it was it yeah, it felt really strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was all for the art though, isn't it? It's all for yeah. the art. Cool, fantastic. So let's jump into the bulk of today's conversation, which is your work on Prima Facey. Uh, you were the understudy to Miss Coma. Uh, and I read from the article and the article you did on Spotlight about life as an understudy. Um, guys, go check it out if you're on Spotlight. It's a lovely article about the importance of understudies. Uh, you talked about how, um, you know, there's a lot of value in being an understudy and everything, but we'll get onto that in just a second. So um, let's shoot right back to the beginning where you, where did you first hear about this job? Did your agent give you a call or how did you, how did you hear about it? Yeah, I mean, really lucky for me. Um... I had worked, I went to Mountview at the same time as um, the assistant director. And I think um, they were making a list of people to audition. And um, very kindly, she had remembered me from Mountview and added my name to the list um, of of potentials. so yeah, I got an audition and I I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I I I didn't I've never done an understudy job before, so I just didn't really know what it was going to be like, but I think they sent a couple of scenes from the play and as soon as I read the scenes, I just thought, wow, this writing is insane. It's it's just such a beautiful thing when you read something and you instantly connect to it and I just felt like Oh, okay, I know how to do this. You know, well, not that I know how to do it, but I I can connect to it. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. Um, so yeah, and then went along to the audition and just had an amazing time. <laughs> yeah, but what was the audition like? I mean, I'm, I would imagine they got you to say some things. Of course they did. But uh, yeah, what was it like walking into the room? What was the whole experience of auditioning for it like? It was really lovely, and you know what? I've actually I. I told um, Justin Martin, our director, and Jane Moriarty, the assistant director, um, and James Beam and the producer, who were all in the room. I said this to them afterwards because when you walk into an audition room and you f- you get a great energy and feel supported, yeah. it's transformational for your performance. And I remember we did one scene and... Um, and then Justin, you know, was giving me a bit of direction and we did it again. And this time he was like, okay, I want you to be drunk. You're in a club, you're drunk. And um, and bless Jane, the assistant director, was kind of like sitting behind the desk like, Woo! you know, like just giving me a bit of atmosphere instead of, you know, I mean, you know what it's like. You can walk into these auditions sometimes and it's kind of like blank face and it's terrifying. But um, I think... Yeah, I, I felt completely at ease, which was yeah, it was lovely. Amazing. Um, so, what, so you, how how quickly did you hear that you got the job? 
Um, I can't really remember. I think I went back for a second casting maybe a week later. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I found out not long after that. So it was all quite, it was, it was quite quick for that process, really. Oh, um, yeah. Amazing. So um, who is Tessa to you? Tessa is um, what I'm, I'm completely inspired by this character because she's a working class girl um, like myself who has kind of battled her way up through a a kind of profession that normally she might not be in. Um, She's, you know, she wants to be a a barrister and, and she gets to the top of her game and she really has to, I think I understand the, I don't know, I felt a bit of this when I went to drama school, you know, when it's kind of like, there's a lot of people who come from much more money when you go to drama school and I'd never really been in that environment before. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, I don't know, you feel a bit inferior. So you kind of posh yourself up a little bit to be like, you know, to try and like fit in. And I think that it's a very similar trajectory for Tessa joining the world of law. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, she's really clever. She's, you know, quick-witted, she's smart, she's fast, she's just kind of on it, which, uh, you know, takes her to the top of her game. And then, you know, she is a victim then of sexual assault and Mm. the kind of bravery it takes to actually then go through the system that you know is is kind of against you um, in that scenario. And I just, yeah, I learned so much from that character and I just yeah she's she's great <laughs> yeah she's inspiring i think when you're talking about there about you know coming to drama school like and you she comes from a you know, working class background and she meets people there who have got money and lots of it and i'm reminded, yeah. reminded of the scene where she's <laughs> where tessa talks about on the first day she sits next to someone and she goes what's your name benedict of yeah course- his name's Benedict. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, I, was... I remember. I remember the the conversation of like, what should he be called? You know, oh, we would really? like was just hilarious. Like every day, it was like we'd try out different names, which yeah. was funny. Oh, yeah, I, I must warn you guys. But if any of you haven't seen it, there are going to be a few spoilers in this episode. So if yeah, you do, sorry. Just, be, just be prepared. Uh, and another one, just to warn you, uh, was how did how did you um. One of my favorite scenes in it was when they go to the pub. Well, where Tessa goes to the pub shortly after that. I, just, I remember Jodie used to pick up a glass. I'm not sure if you did the same thing. She had some water on stage. We head to the pub and just chuck yeah. the glass back. Um, and then she gets up and does a lot of like dancing. I mean, when she started doing the Macarena, I was just like, okay, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, but what was, what was your routine? Was it the same or did you do something different? No, I had different moves. Yeah. I, I think I did throw in the Macarena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Geordie can do, like, Geordie can dance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Her moves were like, her robot was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I was just like, <laughs> but um, yeah, when we were rehearsing, uh, Jane and I, the assistant director, would just try different things all the time. So sometimes it would change. Mm depending on how, how well, what, did you, what, what did you do what were your moves um i i did do a robot mm-hmm. and then i i did some kind of like funky chicken thing 
Right. And then I and then I think I ended up, I mean, I don't even know what you would call this. I don't even know what it would be. But I ended up kind of like on the floor, like almost like <laughs> was it was it the worm or something? No, I imagine doing the worm on that table. No, I just couldn't. Okay. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> all the lights and everything just going all over the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely wasn't brave enough to do the worm. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I just kind of went with it. Yeah. But no, there was it, a robot it, and there was a macarena. There was. Okay. Well, at least we've got the importance. We've got, we've got the essentials yeah. in there, which is good. Um, so... So Tessa, she goes on this wild journey, of course, like going, you know, accomplishments, you know, coming from a working class background to getting to law school, you know, getting into this huge, like established area of her life, which is going to be successful. And then unfortunately, something very unfortunate and very serious happens to her mm -hmm. uh, following that, um, where she, I, I've forgotten the guy's name, but what, what, what's the name of the fella she goes home with? that night um name. i can't believe this has actually left my brain maybe that's a like subconscious thing that i don't want to think about it possibly um, anyway, we can just julian. say julian yes thank you uh and um what happens happens uh and the rest of the play is uh, her way of trying to get justice and find justice and i think um, Susie Miller, the writer, she did a very good job of showing that even today there is mm -hmm. still some disparity and some prejudice in this business. Um, uh, what were the conversations like in the rehearsal room when you approached like that scene and that sort of area of the play? Um, what do you mean specifically the the actual sexual assault scene? I uh, know. No, I mean, uh, well, we could talk about that if, if you're comfortable with it. But um, but I mean, like specifically after that, when you're talking about how Tessa essentially doesn't get justice for what happened to her was there conversations around that, that even today that there are still yeah. i mean there's 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 lots of things where susie talks about this so well and so much better than i would <laughs> um but i mean Su having susie in the rehearsal room as well was just like absolute gold dust because oh, she used to be a barrister, so she knows the law inside out and just, yeah, I mean, to be honest, the the figures are shocking, you know, like one in three women in, in the UK are sexually assaulted. And if you look at, you know, the amount of, um, of those cases that actually make it through, you know, through the police, through the CPS, to a court, to an actual trial, to then, you know, someone being sent to jail, it's, you know, I think it's like 0. point something percent. It's, yeah. it's insane. So it's, yeah, it's very harrowing and it just kind of makes you realise that, you know, I mean, the huge point about the play is something has to change. And it's, mm -hmm. it's true because that doesn't add up. You know, it, there isn't all of these women lying about these, sexual assaults you know it doesn't make any sense so I think the system is still massively flawed and mm -hmm. you know I think that prima facie has in its own way sparked that conversation and hopefully is making some kind of change I know that um I think judges now in the in Ireland and the UK have to watch the NT live of prima facie oh, wow. um, which is amazing 
um, you know, just to see it from that perspective and to understand it from that perspective, I think, you know, is is huge for, for a player to do that um, is just incredible. But yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. There's, um, yeah, it, it it's definitely not, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it, there's more to be done, I think. Yeah, and just like you say, those numbers there are sadly still still very, very, very low and, you know, more yeah. has to be done. Um, if, if it's okay, um, for, I've had some people go on the show recently talk about intimacy coordinations and planning, like, specific scenes and stuff like that. Is it okay to ask a question about, how you approach that scene where fortunately Tessa has that encounter. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we didn't have an intimacy coordinator on this piece, but um, I think, you know, it's funny because I, I believe there's definitely a job for intimacy coordinators. 100%. I agree. Um, I agree. But I think what is just as important is, um is just making the rehearsal room a really safe space and that's what they were so good at I mean everybody on our team the stage management like everybody in that room Mm -hmm. was just the most kind of sensitive supportive um person and I, I mean you know the team a lot of the team were women and I think that helped um but even so, you know, I think that when it came to doing that scene, it almost didn't feel um, like we needed an intimacy coordinator because I genuinely felt like by the time we'd got to that, it, you know, that we, I felt so much support in that space that it, it felt safe. It felt really safe. Absolutely. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I know it is only still just one person on stage, you know, it's yourself or it was Jody, and, you know, it's not, if there was a need for another person to sort of guide it, but then again, it is still a serious thing. And, you know, what you're experiencing and going through and reliving it for, yeah. you know, night after night, you know, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah. And to be honest, I know that there was like so much conversation about getting that, just getting that right, because there's so many, I think, emotions that you go through in that moment you know and there's a lot of like you know there's fight flight freeze you know and and kind of we did have huge conversations about you know each moment in detail and stuff and and so that was really really helpful yeah and this you know I think you know after that there's there's that bit afterwards where she's in a taxi and Mm the rain is just falling and falling and falling on her. And, you know, I know because you, you, because we will talk about this in a bit, but you had one show on Broadway and did you, did you have a show in the West end? Yeah. Yeah. One in the West end. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what was it, what was your experience of that scene? Like directly afterwards that, so when you're sitting in the cab and you've got this actual water falling on you, like endlessly on stage, <laughs> like what's the, what was as a performer, what how did that you know you've just been hit with something like like that and then you're in the the, um the afterburn the aftermath of that well can you can you sort of describe how that felt you know what it always felt really difficult that scene because it's so distracting being soaked (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it it really is um 
And so I always, it, 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 it's such a funny one because I, obviously in tech, we got to do that a lot. We would always, I mean, I got drenched, you know, several times a day um, <laughs> during tech, <laughs> but um, which was amazing because you're like, you know, it needs to be safe and you need to have rehearsed that definitely, you know, you can't just throw water on someone. But um, it was, yeah, it was really, I found it quite, distracting I would always not remember how that bit had kind of gone because no. it was really it just felt very um I don't know what the word is yeah it almost felt like quite like overwhelming in that moment because yeah. there's so much going on um but yeah at least the water was warm oh it was warm okay that helps yeah, they would heat the water. <laughs> Could you imagine that was, cold? It was like nice? It was like having a nice warm shower. Well, that's all right. I can't imagine cold water after that would be insult to injury, then wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened next? Did you um, did you just run off and then just have a? Was there was there like I remember my mum saw it and she said, "God, like so." After she came off, did she have like a team giving her a blow dry backstage, giving making her feel better? What happened next? Um, yeah, it was just kind of like there was people to help us just get dry and get changed and get back on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. well, that helps. That's good. I mean, yeah. it was a very quick turnover. That was great. Yeah. Um, um, I, I was going to save this question to the end, but actually I think now is a good moment to bring it up now. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk more about this, but but what happened, What in, in your opinion, having played Tessa and worked on it, rehearsed on it, et cetera, when the play ends, the, the last line of the play is, on the face of it, something has to change. Mm -hmm. What do you think happens next? Oh my goodness, that's so difficult. Well, I mean, I imagine the conversation, I mean, I imagine, hopefully, um, the conversation that's happening now would be, it would mirror real life, you know, that because she does make that huge kind of, speech to the courtroom and I would hope I would like to hope in an ideal world mm -hmm. that the judge kind of listened and you know there was it then went on to a further conversation of oh actually our system is a bit flawed and she had a point yeah and maybe let's try and do something about that yeah just just a tad flawed yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, just yeah. A tad. Hugely, you know, it was amazing. Um, so let's talk about um, the preparation. Let's go behind the scenes um, mm -hmm. for the next bit. Um, so you talked about how you got the part and everything. So when when they called you and said, okay, um, Danny, the part's yours. Uh, you're gonna be first cover for Jody." And you mentioned in the article that even though, you know, even though Jody was like the first one there, you know, and you have to be there in case something goes wrong, you still have to prepare as if it was you actually doing the show. Because a big word that jumped out in that Spotlight article was preparation is everything. Just prep, 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 which means learning all the lines, which means being in rehearsal, listening to every note the director gives to Jody. So you're not, I think you make a point that you you made notes of what Justin yeah. actually said. So tell me about, well, first of all, tell me about how, how did you learn this thing? Because this thing is enormous. It really is. It was like learning a novel. I just was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but I basically just broke it down into chunks. I would write it out a couple of times and then I'd record myself saying it. And then I would go for a very long walk mm. playing it to myself and, you know, like 
but just I basically just walked around my local area for three months talking to myself but um, (laughs) but yeah I had to I found it really difficult I remember like the first week or so I was kind of just sitting in my kitchen at the kitchen table just staring at this script and I just thought this is not this is not going to go in how do I do this and then yeah I kind of got myself into a little routine of just like okay I read it read it read it write it out, record it, go for the walk. And then, you know, like really solidify that chunk and then move on to the next bit. And that's the only way, I mean, everyone has their own way, don't they? But that's the only way that worked for me. Yeah. I mean, one one thing I learned last year was um, how not to look, I got stuck in this trap many, many times when I was doing Amdram and things like that. I would learn the lines in like a rhythm or like in a like I'd put pauses in places where I didn't even need to be a pause because I thought that was dramatic. But yeah. you know, it was just me thinking it was dramatic. It was actually a lot of shit. Uh, but, um, what, but, what, but the thing I learned was how to just, you write all your lines out and um, and literally just learn them like mechanically with, with no, with no yeah. pauses, no breaks, no nothing. Yeah. So for example, if I was learning uh, to be or not to be or something like that, I would literally rehearse if I go, to be or not to be, there is the question where does nobody of the mind to suffer the things and hours of outrageous fortune? And li- literally like that, no pauses, no breaks, no nothing, just so yeah. the words are all there. Was that something you did? Yeah, definitely. And then I used to do this really weird thing that um, I don't know where I got this from, but um, I would write out um, in my notebook the first letter of each word. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of, if if the line was if you know you know then it would just be i y k oh, yes yeah y. so then i would you'd be basically be able to write out you know a couple of scenes in one page because you're just writing but i don't know it just helped me but yeah. it, it looks really weird because it looks like i'm writing some kind of crazy code that like <laughs> someone has to crack like morse code or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Someone I went to, someone I knew last year did that. Did exactly the same thing. She showed me her notes, and it was literally just like, like codes on a, on a bit. Yeah, of it looks like, really odd. Yeah, I don't, personally, that doesn't work for me personally. But if it works for anyone, then it works for yourself. So that's great. Go for it. Yeah. But I, I remember but thinking, there was a lot of just kind of like, as you said, there was a lot of just like me just walking around like speed running it of just kind of yeah. yeah. yeah that's I, it. Yeah, I, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but was there ever a moment where you're on a you're on a walk around your area and you get to a specifically like intense moment of the script and you're you, like you're feeling it, you know the words, you're getting into the character, and then you you feel like you're alone, and then someone just like walks past you or cycles past you and gives you one of those looks, like what's, yes, yeah, you know, it used to happen on the tube all the time because I would I just would zone out because I'd put my headphones on and then I would be like. <laughs> You know, just like kind of muttering <laughs> to myself, and then you're like, "Oh no!" You're like, and then you remember where you are, and someone's giving you yeah. a look. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. but um, can you tell me about the moment where? Because I imagine, like, because there's so many, I don't know how many sections you must have, like, or chunks you must have had to learn and then put together, and then it's like, okay, now we've chunk one to chunk three is all there, etc. But can you sort of tell me about the moment where you went for a walk and you started? Because I think the first line is um, uh, thoroughbreds, every single one. And then you went that to all the way through to on the face of it, something has to change. Do you remember that moment where you had the whole thing from start to finish? I, 
I think that's where I used to rope my partner in and like bless him. He has heard this script so many times because yeah. I would be working on it during the day and then in the evenings I, he would be on book and I would basically do the whole thing. So I think I did the whole thing mm. to him and was like, <laughs> and the thing is he would always pick me up on like tiny you know tiny tiny and this was very early on before we even started on rehearsals mm. and he would pick me up on time it was like oh no it was a an if instead of a an or whatever and hey. I was like no 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 the fact that I've just got through it like please can we just celebrate that <laughs> I'm like it's fine I'm like paraphrasing a tiny bit tiny bit yeah but you said you said your instead of and it's like, oh for goodness sake just leave me alone yeah. <laughs> I know. You try doing this. You try learning. Yeah. How many pages was it? It must have been about like fifty or something. It was about eighty. About eighty. Jesus. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Was, I know it was nuts. Eighty-page monologue. Um, because I funny, I did a one-man show for my final project last year. It was only half an hour, so not my near as long as uh, Prima Facie. But I think one one thing I I learned was that it was just keeping the lines there all the time is is just Obviously, that's the most important bit, but it was it was quite difficult for me to just sort of switch my brain off and just go, okay, well, I know all the lines. Now I just need to experience it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. how did how did you sort of get into that zone? I think I, it's hard, isn't it? You, no matter how much you do, you do it, even I think I was even more worried about the lines the second time round when we went to New York because. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's that 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 little kind of devil voice that goes, but do you really know it? Mm. You know, and you're like, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, no way. Um, but I think when when I would feel anxious like that, and if that voice kind of was creeping in, then I would just go for a walk and do a full line run and be like, okay, yeah, it's still there. It's you still know, there. and then you're just kind of like, no, I know it. I've just got to trust. You know, there might be. But you never know what's going to happen on stage, do you? It's like a million things could happen. I'm like, I could fall off a table or like, you know. So I think a lot of the difficulty in in all of theatre acting is, you know, apart from learning the lines and thinking that you might forget them, is just is trusting that if things go wrong, it's not the end of the world, mm. you know? And it's just kind of like, it's fine, it's live theater things will go wrong and then what i think once you like free yourself of that fear mm. it actually becomes more enjoyable mm. i mean it's still nerve-wracking i'm not saying i don't get nervous i really really do of course but I, I think like yeah there was a part of me that to get through this job i had to embrace that fear 100 and just be like okay yeah. what will be and you know how how do you embrace that fear particularly on this level like a one person show i don't i you know what i don't i don't really know i think that a lot of um i think i feel differently i know it sounds a bit weird but i feel differently about it since having kids okay. um because it seems i don't know there's just like bigger things in life you know than if you know if you mess up your lines in a show it's like who cares um but yeah I used to watch lots of episodes of Blue pa Planet that that were really yes because yes. you just think you know in the grand scheme of things yeah. it's it, it's that fine balance by 
I think by you have to kind of care enough to do the work and do it really, really well and, you know, make yourself think like, this is huge. You need to really work hard at this. But then at the very last moment, you have to be like, this doesn't mean anything. You know, (laughs) it's kind of, it's a weird one to get your head around. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. But uh, but let's let's talk about, so I want to get on to um, New York. So you mentioned in your article about one particular night um, and I think you mentioned how the role of an understudy, like there's a lot, you said in the article, there's a lot of time waiting. There's a lot of time just seeing if, okay, does, okay, do they need me, do they need me tonight? Do they need me tomorrow? Like, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? There's a lot yeah. of waiting around, you know, there's many bonuses, but you said how oh, it couldn't get, it can get a bit lonely sometimes. And yeah, it's all like that, except for one night that you mentioned in New York, um, there was a Canadian wildfire incident, which, um, which spread across to NYC. And Jodie gets three minutes into a show and she can't, she can't do it. She can't, she can't breathe properly. And then suddenly you're in the dressing room and they're like, Danny, we need you. We need you now. And so, and so you're hoisted downstairs and just go, all right, go. And it's like, tell tell me about that night. Um, It was, you know, it all happened so quickly. You know, when you just kind of like, it's one of those moments where you're just like, oh, okay. Um, Kind of really naively I just hadn't even I was quite relaxed on that day I didn't really I hadn't really put two and two together and thought that the wildfire would ever affect us Mm. which I think none of us had really thought about Um, but um, yeah it so it was it was really weird because I went from being like oh great show's started I'll just go and chill out you know I just hadn't really I wasn't on high alert by any means (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, when and then the next thing I know, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm I'm getting ready and I'm going on. But yeah, I had to have some serious words with myself um, before going on of just kind of, you know, to kind of calm myself down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I to be honest, we had the most amazing team that I I. I kind of felt like it wasn't just me going out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this, we we had this amazing company manager called Georgia Bird, and she is just an incredible human being. And it, and and she stood on the stage with me before, you know, we restarted the show and you know, just said to me, look, if if you go out there and it's, you know, you're you're finding it difficult to breathe, or if you have any problems at all you know, we, we stop the show and we cancel the show. It's absolutely fine. Like you don't have to, you know, and I, I just felt really, um, supported, I guess, by everyone. I didn't feel a pressure to have to, you know, pull this amazing performance out of the bag. Um, so yeah. And I just thought in that moment, I guess I just thought, well, I'm just going to go for it and we'll see what happens. And that's all you can do really. Yeah. Yeah. remember anything about the performance at all because I think when you're in that mode you just kind of you're doing it you're doing it you're doing it and then suddenly it's over and you're like wait did that really just happen and you're just like you know the only thing I remember is in the the very beginning near the the very beginning of the play um I was I I think it it the blocking changed a bit from the West End version I was putting the um kind of collar on Mm -hmm. um and it I couldn't get it done up and I tried about three times and I just thought, oh no. Um, 
I don't know, maybe my neck swelled with the pressure. I have no idea, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get it done up. But I, I just remember a kind of moment in my, you know, when something's going wrong and mm. you kind of just have the like, fuck it moment. Mm. I just kind of was like, right, well, I'm just going to go for it now because I just thought, right, that's it. Like it's done. It's gone. Just, you know, move on. Yeah. So it kind of gave me a bit of a drive in a weird way that something wasn't going my way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and to to remember that moment, I think towards the end, you know, because, you know, you put the file back in the, in the, uh, in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. Uh, And then you hear self-esteem's music, who I thought also did an amazing job, by the way. Incredible. Amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, so the lights are just fading and fading and fading. And then suddenly it goes, and then you're yeah. left in darkness. And then just before, do you remember that moment? You know, just that feeling of, okay, I've done it. I've yeah. Done. Yeah. It was the most, I've never experienced such kind of like relief. Because mm. it's kind of, I, I mean, doing that show, it's like, it's kind of you get on a speed train and then you're just kind of on it. And you don't have time to even think about, Mm. the next scene or what's coming next do you know what I mean so then and it's weird because a hundred minutes just goes so fast like it it absolutely flies by in your head so then when you get to the end you're like wow I can't actually believe I'm here because it feels like you've just run a marathon I think that's the only way I can describe it you're just like I I made it like I got through (laughs) um (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it, I was just like, phew. All right, we're done. We're done. Uh, was was there any moment uh, in the show where, when you did it where you was there a least favorite moment that you had, like coming up to it, where you thought, okay, I know, like you're subconsciously thinking, okay, right, it's this bit now. Then you're doing it, and you're like, oh, thank God, that's over. Was there any any moment there, or was it the whole um, thing? I don't, I don't know. Uh, That's okay. I, mean, I always found it really difficult to actually learn the lines for the sexual assault scene. And I okay. think that like there was some kind of block that was like, no, no, we don't want to go to that place. That's not very nice. Um, so I just really randomly, that was the trickiest bit of like dialogue to learn, hmm. which was really, yeah, it was, I don't know whether that was just, um, yeah like your mind protecting you in a way wasn't it yeah it yeah. felt like that yeah because I, I mean and i've got so many ideas is coming to my head now so it's just like different question after different question now but you know uh, you know i can't imagine like the audience reaction to to this you know because you know they've been inundated with stories of people coming forward and sharing their own you know events yeah. and things like that being so brave uh yeah. what can you did anyone come up to you when you did it? Did you did you have anyone send you anything? So many people, honestly, yeah. you would not believe. We had, I mean, you know, we formed friendships with these women who we yeah. would meet out at, every night at stage door. Um, you know, a lot of the time Geordie would sign, so a lot of people would wait for her to sign. Um, but during that, we would you know have chats with people and people would give us letters um we honestly I can't even tell you the amount of stuff that came into our green room especially well in New York and in London um 
the letters were off the charts and and I can honestly say like we read every single one mm. and we would talk about them together and um I remember one day when I was walking in when we were on Broadway and a girl handed me a letter outside and I went in and you know we had a quick little chat and she was like do you mind if I give this to you and I was like, absolutely fine and I went inside and I read it and I was just so heartbroken by her words that I went back out to find her. And I just said, can I give you a cuddle? And she was like, yeah, of course. And we just had a little like hug and a cry, but it was honestly the, the, the people that supported that show and that, um, you know, wrote those letters and chatted to us were just incredible. Like the most supportive, lovely bunch of brave humans yeah we we honestly met some in- incredible people mm, I, bet. I bet i mean the the amount of people that came forward i mean no it's probably some of the letters that you had in the green room you know you know you'll keep their stories safe you know you won't publish them or anything but i remember yeah. just hearing stories like they were shown on the news about people coming forward and saying about some things that they knew people who have been through something similar or yes. themselves have been through something similar and you know i think it's a a huge a really brave thing you know to go and see this play especially as it's it's well documented before you go and see it you know the you know, now nowadays plays are going this play contains references to sexual assault to abuse to you know to whatever it is anyone who is affected by this should be advised that this is the case yeah. And so many people came forward to see you, and um, of course, and Jody as well. But you know, I think did you, was there for a moment where you sort of did it. I know you did it once in London and once on Broadway. But when you were performing it or rehearsing it, you were thinking, you know, you were given this amazing opportunity to help so many people. I mean, how did that sort of affect your your work? To be honest, though, I think like. Uh... At the time when you're rehearsing it, you don't know whether it is going to help people. You're just kind of concentrating on doing it justice. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Telling yeah, the story and and telling it truthfully and honestly. And um, so I think, you know, we were all just completely overwhelmed at how overwhelmed overwhelmed in a in a positive and negative way, because, you know, we it was shocking the amount of women that said, that's me. I I am one in three. I relate to this. You know, it it was harrowing the amount of people. Um, but then I remember this one woman who wrote to us the first time around in London. Um, and I think it was the first time that she'd seen the show, and I think it inspired her to actually um talk about her own experience. And she then came back to see the show again in Broadway, having had a year of therapy and was in a completely different place. And she wrote to us again saying, you know, it's it's transformational, like what this play has done for me. But now she was like, I'm the person in the audience watching the other women, you know, comforting them and supporting them like someone did me at that time and it's just yeah it's it's amazing really but I no one ever I I don't know you just can't you don't know that it's going to have that impact yeah well you have you have made that impact to so many people and I think you know you walk away feeling I mean well I'm going to say you know you you must be really proud of what you've done you know in this being a part of this and what you've done to help so many people 
I mean, I'm proud of this team. You know, it. I mean, Jordi is the most extraordinary actor, and to go out there, you know, it's. I, I don't know how she does it. I did it twice, and I was like mentally exhausted. Um, and she was doing it night after night and matinees, and you know, and still just giving it her absolute all every single time. Mm. And honestly, it's. It, it completely inspired me and so many people in this team inspired me you know like Susie yeah. is every time I talk to her I'm just like wow you are just the most incredible human ever and she's yeah. just so insightful and knowledgeable and and passionate about change and and the power of um theater and you know that art can change the world and yeah, yeah the, the whole team have just kind of yeah it's been such a beautiful experience yeah but you know but you performing Tessa in London and Broadway you know that audience audiences sorry that you had you know those yeah. you know I'm sure you've done so much to help them because you never know who's in that audience who probably never got in touch um, yeah I mean yeah. and so many people did get in touch and said like lovely things and yeah I was just thrilled that I got to that I got to play that part because it's just so important. Yeah, amazing. What was it like at the Pinto? Because, you know, how does it compare to, to Broadway? Well, to be honest, they were, I mean, the, on Broadway, we were at the Golden Theatre yeah. and um, it was it was beautiful. It had a very London theatre vibe to it because it was a, a similar size to the Pinto. So I think it holds about, I don't know, maybe 800, 900. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it didn't feel wildly different, to be honest, apart from the Pinter's like a bit taller and narrower and the Golden was kind of like more on like two levels and they felt a bit closer. But, um, yeah, they were both insanely nice theatres with yeah. incredible teams inside. Yeah, like the most welcoming buildings yeah. I've ever been. <laughs> yeah, because and got... everyone really invested in the play. You know, like everyone who worked in that building, um, just just welcomed us with absolute open arms. And you know, I made friends for life in like both of those buildings. So yeah, it was amazing. Wow, I mean, it sounds like an incredible job to be a part of. You know, I know, I know, yeah. I feel so lucky. I know I'm going to yeah. be disappointed now forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is a question for you. So. It, I'm not, I was going to say hypothetically, but it could happen. So I'm just going to yeah. throw this out there. So you get a phone call. Mm -hmm. Susie Miller calls you up. And the whole creative team, same people, Justin, uh, what was his name? Justin Miller, was it, sorry? Was it uh, practice? Justin Craig. Uh, now you've, I've, I've had like brain freeze. Okay, all right. Okay, Justin. sorry. Justin, Justin Martin. Martin. Justin Martin. Sorry, mate. You never really like threw me <laughs> off that. Yeah, sorry, Justin Martin. Sorry, pal. Don't have me whacked. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but uh, so Justin, uh, Susie, uh, James Beerman, uh, everyone gets back in touch with you. Says, okay, yeah. Danny, we're going to do it again. Um, are you in or out? As an understudy. No, as the main girl, you're you're Tessa, eight shows a week. Oh yeah, of course I would. Yeah, I would one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Yeah, but if they offered you as an understudy again, would you have that experience again? 
If it was exactly the same team, I think probably yes. Okay. You would. I, think, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's hypothetical, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but if the yeah, but the point is, if the opportunity came around to be Tessa again, you know, but yeah, you would you would say yes. Oh, I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. I think you know this is another um, another difficult thing about being an understudy is you know you. I've only kind of performed it three times with an audience. Uh -huh. And I think a lot of the time your performance evolves so much, um, you know, with an audience over a couple of weeks. And so I would love to be able to have that bit of the journey, which is, you know, just feeling really, really comfortable with it, finding new things within it and, uh -huh. You know, I, I'd love that. And to be honest, I'd love more people to be able to experience this play, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's happening, it's happening lots of countries around the world, so lots of people are experiencing it, which is yeah. amazing. I think there's a Spanish version that's just started recently as well, hasn't there? Yeah, I think there's like a Chinese version. There's so many versions happening at the moment. Amazing. Which is amazing, which is yeah. great. Spread the word, guys. Spread the word. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned in the article that um, some understudies, you've heard stories that they've been given tapes or recordings of their actors, of their people they're covering, and they go, "Oh, just, just, just do that." Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 no. You've got you don't just copy what another person does. You've got to find your own interpretation of. Yeah, testing. I was terrified that that would would be what what the understudy job was, but I mean, it wasn't at all for my experience, but. And I was like reassured that that wasn't going to be the case, even in the audition. I think in the casting, they were like, this is how it's going to work. Um, so I knew that I would have proper rehearsals, which was amazing. But yeah, I, I, I've I've heard that people have been given a video of the show and, and told to just do that. Hmm. I know, which is terrifying. Yeah. They're not I only would... trying to learn lines, but then trying to find another person's excuse me another person's mannerisms and stuff and you're like yeah. those aren't mine those are, that's not me you know exactly yeah i know it sounds awful doesn't it that's why yeah, yeah i don't want one of those jobs <laughs> okay no you won't you won't i'm sure um so this is a question about um you know obviously it's the intensity of the role and everything so how did you look after yourself? You know, because you said that you said just now that you know you only did it three times or twice, once in London, one on Broadway, and you felt really, really drained and just exhausted afterwards. And you, you're looking at yeah, and just after two performances, but you know throughout the run and you know learning the lines on the walk and on the tube and everything about so a, a very serious topic. Yeah. Uh, how how did you look after yourself like throughout this? Not just like through the the performances, but the whole process from the day you first got the script to right up to the last night on Broadway how, how do you as a performer look after yourself when you're tackling this material night after night I think um again we would uh, because we had such an amazing group of girls backstage um we would there was a lot of kind of like dancing a lot of music you know we would just kind of shake it off <laughs> shake it off literally um literally shake it off um, but yeah, I think like physically and 
I mean, for me, I, I, I love doing yoga. That's the only thing that kind of works for me to like switch my brain off. Mm. Um, so I just made sure I did lots of that, which really helped. I also drank lots of water. Everyone used to really look at the size of this water bottle. Wow. <laughs> so, That's everyone, like three litres, mate. <laughs> I know. Um, everyone used to... Um, take the piss out of me walking around with my water bottle all the time. So when I was in New York, they bought me like a giant water bottle, um, <laughs> which was really funny. But yeah. Um, yeah, just like, just looking after yourself, you know, just kind of like drinking lots of water, getting some sleep um, because, it, you know, it. I just think things can feel a, a lot worse when you're really tired or run down and, and, you know, we had, I mean, <laughs> our stage manager, Georgia, would um, have all of these, like, amazing kind of little herbal remedies. So she'd make us this, like, beautiful kind of, like, honey, spicy tea. And do you know what I mean? There was a lot of that going on. And we'd have a lot of, like, yeah, just, like, lots of herbs and yeah, some really nice stuff. So it just felt like, yeah, it was like really easy to kind of take care of yourself, especially backstage. There's just like a ton of, you know, teas and lots yeah. of lots of steaming, steaming of the old yeah. throat. Yeah, nothing, nothing too exotic in the tea. I hope. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> and then, obviously, I mean, we had the lovely Kate who was on your show. Godfrey, yes, yeah. Um, and so she um taught us a, an amazing voice warm up. So I would do that a lot as well, just to kind of yeah, warm you warm warm the voice up. Which yeah. Is really nice. did, but yeah. Yeah. Did Did you all do it together? Did you do it with uh, Jody on stage like every night? No, I would always. I mean, to be honest, I like warming up by myself. I just think okay. that it's. It's such a personal process, I think. I mean, I love a group warm-up, I think, when you're in, like, a big cast. But I, but then even then, I would probably go and do my own somewhere else a little bit private because, I don't know, I just I think everyone has their own little routine and they're all little things that they like to do to prepare. And I don't know, I think that's a really, like, personal yeah. thing. And it, I, yeah. Is, yeah, is that your, if this is not too personal question, what, what is your routine before you go on stage? Do you have like a, a ritual? Do you have, what, what do you do? I don't really have like ritual, but yeah, I would normally kind of like steam. I'd make sure I've drank loads of water, you know, the day before or whatever, or just constantly. Hmm. Um, and then I, I can't remember what it's called that, you know, the, the kind of like steam pot thing that every actor has. It's got like a little glass straw on it. Okay, I never. Oh, seen you totally get one. It's really good. I've never heard of that before. Oh, like Doctor Something Something, and it's kind of like it's made of like. I write this down. Hang on. <laughs> was it? Was it? What was it called? It's not like a plastic steamer. It's made of like actual. Yeah. Hot, and it has a little rubber kind of like stopper at the top, and then it has a glass little straw. Okay. I highly just, recommend. Okay, I've just written down China steam bowl with straw, so hopefully that will help. So <laughs> I think there's like there's only kind of like one shop in like London that does them. That they, they yeah, but it's yeah, they're really nice. It's quite okay. like a soothing thing to do. Um, I'll keep a look out. Then, yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, 
And then to be honest, I'd always put like maybe um, one of those like aromatherapy, like lavender things on in my dressing room to kind of just like, you know, make it nice and calm. Just trying to do calming things. Obviously do Kate's voice warm up because that always made me feel like my voice is ready. And then, yeah, I mean, I would always try and do some kind of yoga as well in that day, because then it just makes me feel like my body's ready. Mm. So I think you've got to tick off all the elements, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would always have in 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 all of my dressing rooms so far, I've always stuck a picture of Mark Rylance on the wall. Oh, right. Okay. Um, Just because, I don't know, looking at his face reminds me of like how brave he is on stage. And I just, obviously, he's an incredible actor. And I, yeah, I just would always stick a picture of him on my wall to just be like, you know. Yeah. J- just be brave. <laughs> be brave, yeah. yeah funny enough, Kate, um, when we did Kate's episode, um, uh, she had this big poster behind her in, in the video. And, uh, and she, I think that was one of the shows that she worked on with Mark. And I think she always has that in her, like her... I think it's a creative office, but it's in her house. So she has it there to kind of remind herself of that experience and everything. Cause you know, she speaks of Mark incredibly highly as do I, and as do many, many people. So yeah, yeah. Mark Rylance on the wall. I should start doing that and write that down as well. So Mark Rylance on the wall. Okay. Yeah, I've actually, I mean, if I could take it with me, I've actually got a signed picture that I got years ago um, of oh, Mark Rylance's. It's his like really old headshot. Okay. And he's he looks so beautiful in it. He's he's I, I don't know how old he is in it, but he looks like he should be playing Peter Pan. He's <laughs> like he's just like really young and sprightly. Um, but yeah, he signed it. And if I could take that to every dressing room and put it on the wall, I would, but I'm always scared that, you know, I'm gonna break it or lose it or something. So hmm. I just always print out a <laughs> a really crappy picture of his face and just blue tack it to the wall and is it, do, you have, do, you have, do you have like a, one of those um uh, machines the one that laminates stuff do you take that with you as well it's about, it's about this long and then you just put it underneath <laughs> that there. i should do yeah just keep it nice and fresh but then you can have <laughs> that's yeah. what i need a laminated mark rylance to put yeah. to with me yeah so and then it's easier to blue tack on the wall as well it doesn't rip the paper it is you put that up and then it's like it comes off easily and a little yeah. thing, you know <laughs> oh, what are we talking about blue tech crazy. I know, but making your dressing room like a nice kind of environment i think is important you know i mean it's difficult when you're sharing you can still have your own little space but yeah. i think that's part of the routine as well you know it's like i'm a bit kind of i loved you know kind of decorating my dressing room and just putting everything like Mm. in its place and just not you know it just it's i don't know there's something yeah. really nice about that yeah i hope you don't mind i'm getting this image now of your of yourself like what, someone walking into your dressing room in west end or on broadway you walk in and you've got like this china teapot in the corner you've got like incense <laughs> smoke around the place you've got mark rylance on the wall you've got blue planet on your laptop just coming through and and just yeah. everything that's been but to be honest with you i'm not it's not that's not a i'm not taking the piss or nothing but i can imagine walking in <laughs> I'm not, I can imagine walking into that dressing room and just feeling an oasis of calm and that everything's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. And that's the dressing room I want to be in. So, yeah. Exactly. That's what you need. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal all those ideas from you if I hope you don't mind. I know. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's so different for every single person. Like, I know actors that are kind of like, whoa, yeah, like need to kind of 
be all hyped up before going on, but I'm a bit more like, you oh, know? Yeah. No, I'm the same. Oh, yeah. I remember when we did our showcase um, last year, we had, um, I don't know, we, we didn't like, we all were in the room, all quite quiet, but someone put like Sounds of the Ocean on, you know, like those 10 hour videos you find on YouTube yeah. and Spotify. They just put it on on this little speaker and the whole, just like hearing the sound of like ocean waves and everything through the room, it helped enormously. And oh, I, yeah. I cannot describe why other than it just made us all feel really, really calm and relaxed. Yeah. And then suddenly all these nerves went out the window. Like we weren't worried yeah. about our lines. It just helped, I think. Yeah, and I, think, I can I think, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So stay calm before a one stay person calm. show. Yeah. <laughs> stay calm, kids. Stay calm, kids. It's all good. Um, just got one. You, know, you mentioned about Mark Reynolds there. And, um, you know, Kate spoke of him on the episode, spoke very highly of him. And I've listened to shows. I think Denise Goff did this thing where she met him when she did People, Places and Things. And, he talks about the derobing afterwards because when you come off stage you're still in that world and imagine you're still in tessa's world of everything that's happened but he said no you've got to leave it with the audience you've got to sort of leave it with them and i remember i went to see him in doctors i can't pronounce it but some advice recently at which is at the pinter right now yeah i went to see it yeah i thought he was amazing as always mark rylance so um i remember at the end i noticed that when he did his curtain call he just did this to the audience he just went like that like that's for you yeah and he, he took his bows and just went i love that yeah and I, I remember hearing that he leaves it with them when i saw that i thought oh, okay yeah that's interesting he actually physically does <laughs> he does he leaves it with you to sort of make up your own minds or saying here's our story and there you go yeah. and, so, and i imagine you did that you just in amazing quantities with with that and, and Prima face, and they said prima facie again. That's prima facie. Um, oh yeah, that's another question. So we say prima facie, not prima facie, or, or prima facie, or some people call it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a tough one. It's I've heard every single version of. <laughs> but I think we decided as a company that we were doing prima facie. Prima facie. Yeah, although it might sound different in my accent. I don't know. Prima uh, facie. Prima, prima facie. facie. Prima facie, there we go. <laughs> Prima facie, guys, you heard it here. Um, Kate corrected me as well, but hey, it's all good. Um, <laughs> so, um, cool. I just got a few more things for you today, Danny. Just a couple more questions for you. Um, you you mentioned you mentioned again how, and I think the producer James Beerman did the did this wonderful thing you mentioned in the article again, but how he put every cast and crew member's name on the um, poster when he went to Broadway. And you said that some of the crew, backstage crew, had been there for years. They'd never had their name on a poster before. Yeah. And I think that adds to the what you've talked a lot about today is like the community and the trust and the care that you will build up together. And that's an amazing yeah. touch. I know. I mean, he did the same in London as well. But I think okay. for some reason it kind of, I, I mean, it, it meant the world to everyone in London too. Um, but on Broadway, um, yeah, I just remember just having so many conversations with people and they were like, this never happens, you know? Um, they, they've worked in that theatre for so many years and mm. shows come and go and it's just like they're kind of not, you know, not not part of it, but they are. They're a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it's just so important. I just don't understand why everyone doesn't do that. It's so important. And it just makes for a brilliant 
you know, company atmosphere and a really supportive, strong team. And, you know, why would you not want that on every single show that you're doing? At least try to strive to get that, you know, it mm. makes such a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. And I think, yeah, it's like that when, when everyone's a team, you know, like as, a, as the cliche goes, there's no I in team. Yeah. You know, everyone works together and that creates a huge bonding atmosphere. And I just want to just sort of like one of the, just sum up uh, a quote of yours from the article where you say that the whole experience was transformational for my confidence on stage and my well-being off stage. And I think which shows that if you, if something's good behind the scenes, it's going to be good on stage. Completely. I honestly, I think knowing because you know that these people are in the wings when you're on stage and although you're not thinking about it just knowing that they have your back no matter what happens that's what I mean you don't feel like you're out there by yourself it's kind of like this is what we're doing together and it affects us all and you know everyone's working really hard at their job and everyone's job is is equally important and valid and do you know what I mean? And and this also that story particularly, like it affect it affects us all. You know, there's there's one actor on stage telling the story and going through the motions, but there's some, you know, there's a stage manager sitting in the wing watching that every night. That is really hard, wow. you know. And like that's, yeah. I think it it just makes such a difference. It really does. And I'd never ex. I'd never experienced it to that level before of just how much that can really, it can really boost your confidence and make you feel just really supported and secure. Mm. And I just never, and I think with this piece in particular, that was just invaluable to me. It just meant the world because it was just so helpful and yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. I've just got two more questions for you, Danny, today. So, um, before I do, let me just say thank you for your time. This has been one of, one, of, one of my favourite conversations. Thank you ramble on. Sorry, I feel like I'm like... Blah, 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 blah. No, you talk as much as you want. And it's fascinating listening to you and just hearing everything you say. I mean, it all has worth. You're not rambling at all. So just thank you for that. Um, just two more things. Uh, first of all, I remember sort of for the first time, having done my training and done a character, we did a play at drama school. Then when you leave that character behind us, I've had this weird, I think Mark Rylance was in my head again, but you sort of leave it with the audience or will you say, um, oh no, sorry, it was more Richard Armitage really. Like when he did the crucible, like he left, he sort of had this spiritual thing in the shower after a show saying, thank you for coming to visit me again. And then mm. but don't go too far. I need you tomorrow night. But, um, <laughs> But on the last show, um, obviously, I know you've only got to play it twice, but you know, I'm sure you made a huge impact in London and of course on Broadway as well from what you've talked about today. Um, so when the spirit of Tessa came to you or like the essence of her or whatever it is you want to call it, mm -hmm. um, and you know, you know, it may come back in the future and everything, but what do you say to like the essence of Tessa or the spirit of Tessa going forward? Having she's been through all that, what would you say to her? Um, sort of like for the next stages of her life. Now you leave her at the end of the play and what do you say to her after she leaves you? Oh gosh, that's hard. Well, I mean, there's a line in the play um, at the very end of the play that her mum and her mum, 
comes over to her and says, come on, love. Mm. And I just think that that just, I don't know, that that can be kind of received in so many different ways mm. that I think if I was to see Tessa, <laughs> meet her, that's what I think that's what I would, that's what, do you know, it's kind of, hey. it's endearing, but it's almost kind of energized, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just like a really lovely, warm support of just like, come on, you can do like, you know. We can get through this. We can get through this, yeah. Fantastic. And (laughs) and finally, uh, last question for every guest. Um, You might have answered this already, but um, I don't know if there'd be a different answer at all, but what's been an experience or experiences you've had in your career up to this point that you're never, ever going to forget? Ooh. I mean, it. I think it has to be either Broadway or the West End with Prima Facie, you know, like it has to be that that moment. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would ever be able to stand on a stage mm. in either of those theatres and do a one woman show. So I think like both of both of the feelings at the end of those performances mm-hmm. I will remember forever and there you have it fantastic <laughs> <laughs> where to follow on from that really um yeah Danny thank you so much for today this has been an amazing an amazing conversation and I'm so thank you for being so open about the play about its topics and for your experiences and um I look forward to your debut as Tessa going forward as eight, eight shows a week and, uh, and <laughs> probably won't be able to get through it uh, you'll be you'll be great I'm sure but not just Tessa but I look forward to more work you're going to do in the future and uh in London and across screen and everything and um yeah I mean you've done some incredible work already and I, I can tell it's just going to be amazing for you going forward and I can't wait to see what more work you do so thank you so much you too oh no thank you for today um if you just hang on i'll finish the recording i'll say goodbye to you one-to-one but uh wow what an episode uh this has been this has been so much fun um yeah i don't know what to say (laughs) Thank thank you danny thank you so much